Live Wild's Connection Matters podcast, bringing together heart-centered, nature-connected, curious people who share the inquiry, how can we create a connected and meaningful way of living that brings more health, happiness and growth to our world? My name is Leona Johnson and I am your host. Hello beautiful humans, welcome to episode 39 of Connection Matters Podcast. How are you today? I am, well it's very hot where I am. Um, My children are out in nature doing the monthly nature club and I am, well, I'm really good. I'm, I feel like life is crazy and wonderful and painful and brilliant and I'm curious and I'm open and I'm so, so grateful, so grateful for all that it brings and ah, yeah, grateful for all the great people that there are doing great work in the world who inspire me constantly and um, especially grateful for those close to me who continue to inspire me always through their learning journeys and through their commitment to self and to um, growth and to beauty and to love. Um, And I hope that you are all well today. Uh, If you're new to the podcast, then welcome. I always like to... um, yeah, imagine new people hearing hearing this podcast for the first time. I hope you enjoy it. Um, please do click on the subscribe button below so that new episodes can come straight to you. Also, subscribe to the Connection Matters mailing list for updates on new episodes and also on the different projects that I run, the trainings and the mentoring and the rites of passage and vision quests and all of the things that are coming up there's lots of exciting programs coming up so yeah I'd be really happy to share that with you on the mailing list Um, the link to that is in the show notes below if you're interested in any of the projects and want to contact me for um, a chat about any of them then do get in touch that way because I'm always happy to talk about things always happy to talk about uh, connection and and supporting people in finding a deeper and more meaningful connection to life because even since starting this podcast which was about three years ago now I feel so unbelievably different so much more in my body so much more present to life and so much more able to deal with life's challenges and I really feel that's to do with um, the commitment that that I've shown and also the opportunities that have come to me because I've been searching um, for connection um, and connection to myself more than anything has been the thing that's helped me to create connection for others so if you like what I'm doing and would like to support me please do hop over to www.patreon.com forward slash connection matters podcast where you can sign up for as little as three pounds a month and thank you to all those who do support us already it really helps I wouldn't be able to do it without you so I'm really really grateful today's episode is with Piers Cross um, who is a um, he's local to me and we've crossed paths Um, various times we don't know each other very well but I've always respected his work so I'm excited about sharing this episode and I hope that you love it I'll share his bio just so you've got a little bit of um, a grounding and um, you'll hear more during the episode so he says I am a transformational coach specializing in working with men who feel stuck in their relationships I also help men overcome and heal from trauma, boarding school issues, anxiety, depression, sleep problems, and live a happier and more fulfilled life. I also am also an artist, a poet, and a musician. I went to boarding school from ages 11 to 18. It was an exceptionally challenging time. I changed my name to Simon and then Ziggy Cross. I lost a friend to suicide, a teacher attempted to sexually abuse me, and I tried to take my own life. On the surface, I was a success. 
underneath I was hurting. I then trained in international business at universities in France and London and worked for several Fortune 500 companies in Paris and London. In 1997, while in London, I started on an internal journey and started to study meditation and different self-healing paradigms. In 2000, I suffered burnout through a combination of my father passing and leaving my long-term relationship. Essentially, I became homeless for a few months. I eventually left London to work in Africa, helping volunteers. Working with men um, is something that Piers does now, which is why I've titled it that way. And it's also something I feel really passionately is needed in the world. So I'm really grateful to bring this episode and this conversation. And I hope that it guides some of you to um, some of the great work that's been going on in this country and all around the world, actually. feels like a, a burgeoning world of courage and curiosity that's opening up, much like the women's movement has been happening for a while. And I think the work that needs to be done now is in, in coming together. So, yeah, I hope you get a lot of, out of this episode. Feel free to leave any comments in the Connection Matters podcast Facebook page or in on my Instagram. And all the links that you need that you hear in this episode or around anything else that I do are in the show notes below. So without further ado, this is Piers Cross. Hey Piers, nice to see you. Hello, Leona. Great to see you as well. Thank you for joining us. I'm going to open up today with um, some gratitude. I'm still feeling the buzz of um, the weekend that's just gone. We completed one of our Questing with Fire programs and the last session is with all of the people who quested and all of the people who were part of the village who uh, witnessed and supported the questers. Uh, during their their um, fire quest, who came together and the questers cooked a delicious, tasty, foraged, mostly foraged meal on the fire for us and served us all as part of their gratitude for uh, what they've received and in the process and on their quest and for all the people who helped them and and there was lots of singing and lots of connecting to the land and the sun was beautiful and right now where we are the bluebells are out and the leaves are just seem to have burst into into being in the last week or two around us and yeah it was just absolutely beautiful all of the things that I cherish in my life connection with friends and deep transformational meaningful conversations and good food and fire and being with all of the elements and um yeah so I'm super grateful for all of those things and um yeah really happy to to share that gratitude and um yeah and just grateful also to you for being here because actually we it's been quite a few years that uh, ago that we met but and we live near each other, but don't pass our paths don't cross that often. So it's really nice to to have you here um, and have a chance to to chat a little bit more. Mm, yeah. I'm going to Im- invite you to share a bit of gratitude. Um, that was yeah. a nice way to open. Thank you. Yeah. So my gratitude to my wife to begin with, such an amazing lady, amazing cuddles, love. The real unconditional, big open heart, and I just so appreciate her. Um, she's really guided me in my life and on on my mission. Really, um, she's often said, "Piers, what about doing that?" I'm like, "Oh, okay," and it's really guided me in a beautiful way. So um, I know I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing now with trauma, with men, boarding school without her support and her guidance so real appreciation to her yeah the other thing is with the spring as i said to you before we press record i've started to do the sit spot uh, from john young and the coyotes guide every day now and i do breathing outside and just watching the sunrise or you know just sitting having the sun come onto my face the eyes and barefoot 
and I've been doing it probably three or four months so it has been snowing sometimes uh but feeling real appreciation i'm seeing the garden change and often i work inside and i don't see that i might pop out quickly go for a walk i'm going somewhere so it's been lovely so i'm in real appreciation for where we live um and obviously we're in the same valley so it's just oh, it's gorgeous at the moment mm. Mm. So, so yeah and appreciation for the work i'm doing it feels i feel really on mission at the moment i feel very passionate um and it's exciting to see things starting to change in this world of trauma our leaders and boarding school it's like things are really shifting and i think that's very positive um so yeah that's me mm, great thank you really nice i i love hearing you speaking about your wife I've I heard a podcast that you did together actually mm. a while ago and um, I've met Michelle and have a sense of her warmth and who she is through passing but um it's really nice to be acknowledged and to be a person who acknowledges and is able to actually name that mm. honor that and actually be really clear about the relationship that's really lovely to hear and it's nice to know again that you're doing the the sit spot because that's something that's definitely changed my life in the time that I've been going through phases where I do spot sit spot every day and then not and then I do again and and usually when my life is flowing in a good way it's when I am sit spotting every day so um and I notice it quickly if I'm not um so yeah and then your work so um so I would have read your bio in the intro, but it'd be really nice to hear from, in your mm. words, what is it that you do? What is it that you bring to world to the world, and what are you passionate about right now? Mm. So my day to day work is I work with men, and especially around trauma, and especially around boarding school. A lot of my clients um, I do have some female clients. But it's one-to-one -one work, mostly. I do do men's circles as well of ex-boarders. And it's this, this thing with boarding school is that it was always seen as a privilege. It's a lot of money in, a lot of ca in most cases. It was seen as, you know, the best thing. And yet science, traumatologists, neuroscience is now showing that actually no there's there's a side effect to separating a child from their parents at a very young age and putting them into a, an institution you know and they call it attachment trauma or development trauma um and so the work you know that i do day to day and what i'm passionate about is how can we transform trauma from um something which is you know can be devastating it often leads often we see the symptoms that so might be addictions or struggle in intimate relationship we can't feel our emotions and actually transforming that opening our hearts again be allowing ourselves to be vulnerable connecting in relationship moving becoming more joyful dropping our addictions so that's what i'm passionate about seeing men transform men who've been struggling for decades and then <gasps> there's another side we can i can be vulnerable i can thrive in relationships um and yeah and then the other thing that i'm very passionate about leona is i'm starting to to so it kind of it's it started off with my understanding of how boarding school had, and the trauma had impacted me in my life you know in london I worked in the city. I was in banking and sales. I had a breakdown. And then it's the last 10 years has been more with men, seeing how they were impacted by boarding school. And then the third level recently has gone, wait a minute, how many of our leaders have been to boarding school? What mm -hmm. if these guys who were, you know, doing these things, which to the rest of the population goes, that doesn't make sense to actually go, could it be because of trauma? Because they're traumatized. They're not admitting it. But to ask that question, is there this problem with austerity at the moment? Because that's a side effect of trauma. Could it be that we struggle with emotions? 
could that be because of trauma and so that's what i'm really passionate about so i've started to make a documentary sharing my story of boarding school which involved sexual abuse it involved the the suicide of my one of my friends um and then sharing well how might that impact our leaders so that's something i'm very very passionate about and i feel most people go well i didn't go to boarding school it's irrelevant and what my message is is no it's so important for the 99 percent. you might not have gone to boarding school but the decisions of you know 63 percent of high court judges the head of the bbc the head of channel four the head of mi6 the head of the church of england they were all boarding school separated you know age eight what is the impact we could at least ask that question and and that's my passion Mm. yeah i i've often i've often i haven't actually always associated it with boarding school um i've i've looked at things through a class lens or a um you know poverty lens or or you know a, a lens of of yeah privilege uh in some ways but but what the way you the that you put it whenever we spoke just before we we hit record was interesting you know that all these people who've been separated from their mothers and who are now who are now treating our mother earth as though well yeah you know abusively let's say without yeah. care without um appreciation of of the fact that that's where all you know all of life stems from you know the earth and um and all these decisions that seem to be going really against um life and the longevity of the human race mm-hmm. come from these people who've had these separation experiences so yeah um interesting and i can see yeah just through speaking with you actually how how huge it is in terms of the impact that it has on our everyday lives and those decisions that are being made Mm -hmm. Mm. wow so tell us a little bit more about um yeah your journey because you've said that you were at boarding school and and then you became you know a, a city city worker and that was challenging um what happened after that yeah so it was around the year 2000 started to have a breakdown i started to think i was going insane and one day i went to hampstead heath where i was living next to hampstead heath and i was living with a a long-term partner who i'd been at business school with and it was just like it's time for me to leave her i wrote a poem and the end of the poem i need to leave her so oh and if I thought it through, I I probably wouldn't have left, but I didn't think it through and I just followed, right, this is meant to happen. And I got back to our shared home and I said, I, I'm, I'm going to leave. She was devastated. Two weeks later, I left, but I didn't have anywhere to go to, which I hadn't thought it through. So I ended up basically sofa surfing, being homeless for about a month. Um, And... I started to fall apart, started to think of suicide, and I started to, that was 2000, so for the next couple of years, I just spiraled, I got into drink, drugs, and I I left London. I eventually ended up in Africa for a year, and I went to to help others, because I, I realized I hated myself so much that I needed to help others. That was the only way out. But eventually I just got to the point of total burnout. And in Africa, I was like, I really thought I was going insane. Um, I came back. And around that time, I realized I'd always been helping others. It was time for me to help myself. And I ended up going to visit a Buddhist monastery. And I went for 10 days. And while I was there, I realized how much of a mess I was. And I'd been offered a job to manage a voluntary organization uh, in Thailand. 
and I would have had my own house, my own car, you know, a Western wage in a developing country. And I said no, because I realized how much of a mess I was. Um, and so I stayed for three and a half years in this place, and it was amazing. But it was around that time I realized I came across the book, The Making of Them by Nick Duffel, and I realized my tra what I'd gone through as a child in this institution was basically it was impacting me now. And it was a very cathartic journey being supported by the monks, um, by the lay people, but also by therapists. And I, I had a total breakdown. I had uh, chronic fatigue, so I couldn't get out of bed, but I also self-harmed, tried to take my own life. Um, I used implements, punched myself. I was in A&E three or four times. Um, and yeah, I started to cry for the first time since a, a young boy. You know, that's one of the things we learn at school. And I was in this, I was, went back to the city last weekend and I realized that the city and boarding school are basically very similar hmm. you can't show emotions in the city you can't um you know there's a split between work and and work and home you know you have to work incessantly hard you know it's like it's a very cold place and it's like well that was what boarding school was like uh and so yeah so i realized and it was a big cathartic time. I started to come out the other side after about three years, stopped the self-arming and started to feel a lot better. And, and it was at that point, the abbot said to me, do you want to stay? And I said, I don't know. And he says, well, I need an answer. So I said, I don't know. I'm going to say, no, I'm going to go. So I left and I went back to lay life and I was a very different person. My heart had opened. I could grieve again. And I was connected to my inner child, which is why we've met through forest school, mm. because I have that connection with my own inner child. And therefore, I can relate to children now. I can be silly and ah, whereas I couldn't do that before. And that's because of the breakdown and the crisis I went through. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean. There's not many people who can say that they've done both those things, you know, worked in these sort of city companies in that intense environment, which I guess many people do. For, for me, that seems really, uh, you know, really full on. Um, mm -hmm. And then then take themselves out of life for three years, completely different way of being in order to, fall apart and put yourself back together again mm. um mm. and then step out and be able to start living in a way that that's more true to you and then since then i've seen that you've done so much training so many in so many interesting modalities i'm wondering how you came to i mean it's not usual that somebody who's been to boarding well i i maybe i I don't actually know that many people from boarding school, so I'll be honest, but I'm, I'm presuming that it's not what um, people usually do to go on and uh, do shamanic work or, you know, do work with voluntary work with scouts or, you know, do these things. Um, so you've somehow found a path, an alternative path that called you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, the monastery totally opened me up on many levels. I remember one time going into, you know, reading Eckhart Tolle's book and then reading his waking up experience. I said, oh, I've had an experience a bit like that. So it really woke me up. But then I couldn't maintain that and I became... I lost a lot of weight. I lost about a stone and a half in the monastery because you're really intermittent fasting. So it's just um, you eat first meals seven o'clock in the morning. Last meal is between 11 and 12. And then you fast for the rest of the time. And I lost a lot of weight. And I've forgotten your question. That's 
Um, I guess, how did you come across the alternative modalities that you've gone at, gone down? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's um, to do with the fact that once I left the monastery, I went back to the corporate world because I'd, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd spent all my funds on the therapy while I was in the, the monastery, all my savings. So I needed money and I was doing still doing therapy. So I went back to the corporate world and while I was there, people were interested in my story and they were like, oh, can you teach me meditation? Can you teach me stress management? So I started a class up in this Fortune 500 company. And then, yeah, and I think it was while I was there in Brighton, I was, because of the monastery, I was just interested in alternative things. And I I was just drawn to... I needed to learn more about being a man. And I came across this workshop, which was run by a shamanic lodge about for men. And so, you know, I was able to follow my intuition a lot. And I was like, that's it. So I went. And when I was there, suddenly it was like I did again the synchronicities. I met an amazing lady who um, on the workshop at the end of the men's workshop, she was dropping a partner back and I started a relationship with her in Brighton. And so they just, these doors kept opening and these synchronicities. I went to this shamanic course, met my wife there. That's how I met her. Mm. It was a, a two week shamanic a retreat. And yeah, it's just felt like, ah, oh, this is the next thing to do. Ah, oh, this is the next thing to do. Mm. Um, and mm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, a lot of it's been, you know, coming back to humility. You know, I think post monastery, I think I had an ego thing that I was someone. And then over the coming years, it was like I had to to say, well, I'm nobody. And I, I, I've, you know, done jobs since I, I got to Hebden, like cleaning uh, poo up, you know, like um, working with animals. Uh, laboring and that's really been helpful to be more humble uh and just just go with the flow that's how i ended up in doing forest school or you know um i loved i you know love working with children so i've just gone with the flow and and i love this idea david data talks about is our purpose it's on a spiral and i see everything i've done has led me into the work i'm now doing mm. because really i'm questioning the education we're giving to you know the elite Mm. no love you know it's all about um character building rather than love connection attachment connection to nature um Mm. so yeah um that that's kind of yeah really seeing that Mm. yeah it's interesting isn't it i'm wondering what the actual character is whenever well character character that's that's like a a, you know has me thinking of a film or a cartoon like not a real person Mm -hmm. someone who is putting on a front who Mm -hmm. is able to funk looks like they are a a version of a a successful person Mm -hmm. but whilst Mm -hmm. inside are are something completely different and I guess that's how many people go through their entire lives and maybe wouldn't even know any different. Mm-hmm. And yet the the repercussions of that kind of containing, containing so much of our authentic self is is um can be can be dire. Mm-hmm. I, I mean I, I yeah, and that takes me that does take me back to, you know, certain certain parts of society who I you know I come across who who must be like yeah I don't know so difficult to actually uh, define I I like that you've sort of found a a sort of a piece of the puzzle and and sort of found actually this is such a significant part because sometimes it can be really hard to unpick can't it like why people are just so unkind and uncaring and uncompromising and and lots of lots of things you know and they always say you know rich people get richer and they you know don't 
the reason they get rich, they don't give them money. Well, it's not true, actually, as I know that there's a lot of very generous and amazing people with money. But um, yeah, yeah, deep stuff. And to work with men at this time. So maybe we go on to that a little bit more because, mm. you know, ever since I've been alive, the rise of the women's work movement, women, you know, different versions of feminism, women coming back into connection with themselves as as people, as well as, as, well as mothers, wives, daughters and and all of those other roles attributed, but actually as as you know equally contributing um members of society and and becoming there's so much work you know women's circles and women um uh, taking responsibility for um for growing society and growing themselves and in recent years or in my lifetime it's it's not been that way as far as i understand it with men's work you know it's been very normal normalized for women to do you know women's work and it's only very very recently that i've heard more about men's groups and um those men's groups are becoming more more usual but before that it's not been the case hey so could you yeah. tell us or tell me uh, tell me what I don't know because not being a man I'm not in that world but it is really dear to me because I have a son um mm. and I also am in a world where I would love to see you know equal well, equality in in mm. in our differences um for all people but and beings but actually um yeah I I, I guess I'd love to see and know that the depth, the same depth of work is going on um, with men mm. in order to, to look at how we can live in balance and harmony with all of life. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. So the first time I went to a five rhythms dance, that was 2002, just before I went into the monastery. And I literally, ha literally had this voice going on in my head. You're going dr dancing without drinking, you effing imbecile. That was the internal voice. And then post-monastery, I started to do a lot of spiritual or healing things. I would just go off to workshops. I'd go to the mind, body, spirit. And I was usually the only man. <laughs> you know, I went to this flower of life workshop, um, which is all sacred geometry Again, there was one other man, you know, 12 women. I've often had that, that it's, you know, there's very few men. And, you know, there is a lot of great work out there for men. You know, there's Andy's Andy's Man Club now, which is, you know, was originally set up in Halifax and now is all over the country about this, that it's okay to speak. And and I was speaking to a guest on my podcast a few about a month ago, who's a, a director of a film called The Work, which goes into Folsom Prison, which is a maximum security prison. Johnny Cash talks about it in his uh, uh, or sings about it in one of his songs. And he was saying to me that vulnerability is our superpower. And as men, especially British men, we see that we think that vulnerability is not a superpower. We think it's something which is terrible. Boys don't cry. And, you know, oh, we don't speak up, you know. And actually, you no, know, this is a time that we need to start speaking up as men and as women and just sharing. This is my story, not to come from a place of victim, but to come from a place of, I survived this, this is the gold, and this is how I'm moving forward. But most of us, I feel we deny it, we don't talk about it, and by talking about it, we then give permission to others to talk and to share. But it takes that courage, you know, and in preparing for this interview, I this conversation, I did a lot of research into my notes about uh, initiation, and, you know, there's a quote um, that um, 
Robert Bly says, so the ancient societies believed that a boy becomes a man only through ritual and effort, only through the active intervention of the older men. It's becoming clear to us that manhood doesn't happen by itself. So mm. with vulnerability, we have to, as older men, take the courage, go, you know what? I struggle with porn addiction. Or, you know what? I struggle with this. And by you modeling that, you therefore give the the, the younger boys. And I've brought this into the scout work I do, that we do a check-in. And often they don't say much, but that's okay. It's up for us as the older men to really model that. And when they are struggling, they can speak. Mm. Yeah. And listening, hey, you know, mm. learning to listen and creating space where that is authentic, that, you know, you can be heard. For me, as a circle holder, that's been sometimes the most, you know, I've literally had people in circle and this has happened in on you know numerous occasions um they've come to a singing workshop or a wild women workshop or a, or as just a women's circle or something and within 10 minutes of being in circle um there the there's numerous people in tears because just having that space where that it's clear that you know this is a safe space what's spoken here isn't going to be um shared outside of this circle how whatever comes is welcome you know tears are okay you know bring what bring yourself so that we can then begin bring yourself and show up and 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 say what is needed so that we can so that you can arrive and then we can begin you know with with all of us here in our authentic selves and it's super powerful um and very touching and also very sad that 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 is such a rare experience for so many people rare or or you know rare rare to never happens for so many people you know to people actually listen and as i've learned about listening i don't know if you've found the same um i've noticed more and more how important how how i love to be listen how i love it when people actually listen and and actually how few people can really listen in a deep way and and then i and then i think well it's no wonder <laughs> that we can't we can't make good decisions about or uh, or have good relationships if we can't actually take the space and i imagine for men who have all of this baggage around being um, you know what it means to be a man is to be strong is to be the father is to never be weak is to be the breadwinner which isn't the case anymore then to be disempowered because they're not the breadwinners anymore and having to still hold some sort of sense of of um authority um so then yeah for them to have that space to open up with each other i think um is really power is really important and i'd love to see that repeated what's going on in the uk in terms of movements you've mentioned andy's man club i also know that you're involved in other groups and organizations yeah yeah so i'm part of the mankind project so that's a, a charity rites of passage but it also runs men's circles men's groups i think there's a few online at the moment there's also face-to-face -face ones and there's one in Manchester that I used to go to quite a bit and as I've got busier it's the the, the journeying it's quite late nights um, so I've not been going as much they're great the Mankind Project I just love them they're people from all walks of life and you know it's a weekend uh, which you go for the the initiation uh, for three days you know it's it's like it was I, I interviewed bill kauth on my podcast uh, last year and he was the founder and he basically there was three of them who set it up a weekend one was a uh, ex-special forces and military i think and the other was two psychotherapists and it was a weekend of like real immersion men 
Uh, and this is, I think, now up to I think seventy to eighty thousand men across the world have been initiated through the Mankind Project. And what's beautiful is that, you know, I went and staffed in February down in Devon, and it's like if I am struggling and it's like, oh, there's something there. There's always the space, right? Go and speak to someone about it. You know, you're you're not alone. As I've been doing the film, I've got, you know, one of the elders from the Mankind Project. He reached out to me. Oh, yeah. He's now part of that, you know. Another guy who's been involved in men's work. It's a slightly different organization called the Band of Brothers, which works more with 18 to 24-year-olds who've been in care or in prison, probation service, and they model you know, they, they act as mentors for these young men. There's also Journeyman, um, which is 14, 15 to 18 year old boys. And that's rites of passage again. You know, these are often boys who have been struggling. Uh, and it's like, right, there's a, again a weekend. Uh, and there's also mentoring. And I did look at setting something up locally the journeyman but at the time i was just an assistant scout leader and uh, the main explorer leader he stepped down and i was like no one else was stepping up and i didn't want it to to fold so i said okay go on then i'll step up um so i ended up not stepping away and helping with journeyman i ended up you know becoming the the, the main explorer scout leader which mm. is the 15 to 18 year old boys and girls. So, yeah, I guess, um, well, that's interesting and there's lots going on, it sounds like, um, which is amazing. Um, tell us about more about the scout um, movement at the moment, because I think that there's been a bit of a, a sort of evolution in the scouting world over time, hasn't it, to try, sort of modernise and keep up with young people and i guess there's a lot that hasn't changed but um yeah so i, I think it's great i mean you know when i came to scouts i was obviously different i was teaching the meditation or yoga and the the group scout leader was so supportive of me you know he came up here to meet me at my house and he, he knew michelle and he was like oh they'd kind of grown up together so that was he you know and he was like yeah just bring who you are and so that's what i i've done and i've you know i think during lockdowns we went and had fires every friday night you know because we could still meet because schools were still going um you know certain periods we couldn't meet when you know schools were shut down but we had fires every week or, or we'd go for a walk in alternate weeks depending on what they wanted to do and i would often do the uh coyotes guide um you know the not so much the sit spots but i did eagle eye um we did that they loved that one we did finding the tree blindfolding each other and you kind of go through the the woods you try and find the tree they really love that we did the I think getting the keys, I've forgotten what it's called. Mm. Uh, we put the keys and you've got to kind of get Sneak a, up. the <laughs> sneaking one. Um, so, you know, how it's changed, I think it depends on the leaders, really, what they're inspired by. So, and obviously, I try to lead it in what are they into in, interested in. Some will few years ago really into creativity so we did quite a lot of art or kind of theater or you know like music whereas the ones we've got now they're more into say walking or cycling mm. but then also you know bringing in some more emotional intelligence what are you feeling mm. and you know and sometimes it's it takes some time but creating that safety and and during lockdowns it it felt just a really safe space that they could check in yeah i'm struggling i haven't seen anyone for six months or three months mm. how did that wow. feel yeah mm. 
I guess the skirts is the sort of mainstream version of boys groups. Mm. Um, you know, the mainstream and, and a great opportunity to have that connection with young people. It's not just boys now, is it? Um, no, it's, it's, you know, we have some girls, mm. but often it's one or two girls who come in, mm-hmm. um, you know, so mainly it's been boys, but I'd say most of the time I've been a leader, we've had one girl mm. in the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, at the moment, we don't have a mm-hmm. girl in the group, but probably in a year or two, we'll have more girls coming in because from scouts. Um, mm. So, yeah, it is kind of the main mainstream. And I think, it, you know, it is a great idea it's like it's on a friday night some of them have started to work but it's that right i can do something which isn't going out drinking that's what Mm. you know i guess at boarding school i did more the drinking on the saturday night Mm. um but Mm. it gives them something else to do yeah you know go into the woods or you know go and have a fire go for a bike ride go for a walk Mm-hmm. You know, do activities, you mm-hmm. know, archery or climbing or things like that. Mm. Um, because yeah, it's 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 quite hard, isn't it, to get people out, um, kids especially these days, because of the 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 draw and the magnetism of all of the the screen screen world, which mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if you're into it, you're into it, and you know, it's fair enough. But at the same time, um. You know what's lacking is all of that outdoor play, that mm-hmm. that exploring the land around you, knowing your streets and your woodlands and the parks. And um, some children do that, but nowhere near as many as as people used to. And some of that is because of the draw of the screen. Some of that's because of the perception of danger and parents not allowing it. Um, and yet, we need to find ways to get people back into deep sense of connection to themselves as natural beings and in in the natural world somehow even those who live in in the city or in in urban environments especially i guess um yeah Mm, interesting so with the um uh the mankind project that's that's a group that's associated um it, it is it's just a men's group it's not for any particular men um no it's for all men yeah all men who are you know often people will come if they're struggling or they you know they want some shift or you know because you know as i i, I kind of said that that quote earlier you know that the active intervention of the older men that whereas i see for women and this is what my wife and, and other women have said to me is that for women they naturally have um transition initiations puberty you know the menstrual cycle or childbirth or um uh other stages whereas a man we have them, but to a lesser degree. So it's almost like we have to have that from a man. Mm. And we often don't get it. You know, we have these things called pseudo initiations, like the military or boarding school. They're considered initiations, but it's like, no, initiation. And I was uh, listening to something by Robert Moore, who who wrote the book, a King Warrior, Magician Lover, but also he wrote the book, The Archetype of Initiation, which I got quite a lot of my notes for today from. And he said, in order for us to be initiated, we need three things. We need a safe space. We need a ritual elder. And we need some form of challenge or humiliation. Now, what's often missing is the second thing or the yeah. first thing as well. <laughs> we get the challenge or the humiliation, but we don't have a safe space and we don't have a ritual elder. And I realized looking back that my monastic experience, when I got there, I was a boy. I was a boy. I was 27, 28, and I was deeply unhappy. And I was a boy. 
I was initiated there. That is what something like the monastery is. It's an initiation. I shaved my head. I had to shave my eyebrows. I was wearing white all the time. That was a humiliation, <laughs> you know, everything stripped away. Hmm. But I had a safe space. And there was the ritual elder there, the abbot, hmm. you know, guiding me, you know, and I think that was the transformation. I suddenly felt safe. I could start to cry. Mm -hmm. I could let go, grieve. And I think, you know, initiation, they say there's three phases of initiation. First one is crisis. Second one is the grief process. And the third is reintegration. And it's like a lot of us have a crisis, but we don't grieve. We need to go down into, it's like a U-shape. You go down into the valley, you go into the darkness, but most of us get stuck there in victimhood. So, oh, poor me. And actually the elder helps us, the rich elder helps us to come out of the valley, mm -hmm. to come back and go, well, what have you learned? So for me coming out of the monastery, I came back with the gift, the boon, the gold. And that was, you know, and them saying that where the wound is, that's where the gift you will give back to society. So my mm -hmm. gift of being sexually abused, of going through the trauma of boarding school, of having a breakdown, trying to take my own life. And then, you know, and that's for me, the difference between boy and man or girl and woman is that the boy needs to be. It's about me. You know, who am I? My needs what's in it for me and that's what the society we live in a very boy or childlike uh, society whereas the man or the woman is about service how may i serve i've learned this now how do i serve others mm. you know how do i bring the reintegration of my gift and that's really the idea with my film and um this idea of the work is once we have done the healing process, we've gone in, we've grieved. Most of us don't want to grieve. Once we've gone in, then we come out again. We then have something to give. So if we get Boris Johnson or Rishi Sunak. Rishi Sunak was age eight, sent to boarding school. Boris Johnson, age 11. You know, Donald Trump, age 13. Um, Elon Musk, age eight. Uh, Richard Branson, he was sexually abused age 13, first day at boarding school. You know, you realize the intricate network of all the people, if they could look within and go, there's a gift of really giving back to society, not for about me and how much money I can make, but really, truly serving. Mm. Then we have a very different society. So how do people do that? What's the best way? You know, if someone, someone's like, okay, I recognize that I'm holding a lot and I haven't dealt with it and I'm not being the person that I want to be. Mm -hmm. How do people do that? What's the first step? There's many steps. One would be therapy of some sort, psychotherapy, also women's group or a man's group. That's huge. To be able to share your story and be heard and to hear other people's story, to realize, you know, and that's one of the things I do with my men's circles. And people say the most healing part is hearing someone else share, especially as ex-boarders or you've been through trauma. You think you're the only one. I was in a room of 20 people who had been sexually abused at my boarding school on Saturday. You know, I'm not alone. Yeah. And I think so that's one thing, psychotherapy. I mean, what I teach people, my clients, is have a daily practice. What am I feeling? Oh, I feel grief. Welcome. It's like we we feel, we give space every day for ourselves. And what I like to talk about is the four archetypes of the king, the warrior, the magician, and the lover. Do we give space to each of those every day? The king is about vision. It's about blessing others. The magician is learning, but it's also sacredness, time outside, just reflecting. The warrior is action, it's doing. And the lover, 
sensitivity, feeling. What's, what's my emotion? So I think there's so many things we could do. And that's what I love about the world now is there's so many different avenues. It's just, it's a bit scary. Mm. It's just we've got to step off the precipice and know that there's a step the other side mm. and then another one. And we, yeah, we'll find doorways open. Mm. And it's, not, I guess, for me, it feels like it's it's not not giving up, knowing that 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 there are. There's never been so many things available to us as there are now online, or in person gatherings, connections, therapies, ways of being that take us out of. It's the pattern disruption, you know, that often mm-hmm. I think is helpful. You know, to take us out of our normal everyday lives and and be courageous enough to actually step into something that's unknown in order to uncover something that's unknown unknown parts of ourselves parts that that um you know want to be fully alive and Mm -hmm. want to be able to be seen and be valid because anybody who has the internal chatter of i'm not good enough or i'm bad or you know i did this wrong or uh, or or conversely you know we we protect ourselves or people one people protect themselves a lot from that by directing that level of they're bad and they're not even worth it and they're not worth my time you know it's that mm-hmm. sort of uh, attack or defense sort of mm-hmm. living once you step outside of that it's um yeah it can be a really beautiful liberating experience um and I see it all the time in my work, you know, how how simple it can be sometimes just to allow people to show up, uh, you know, sorry, how simple it can be to create transformation. Mm-hmm. And and that involves people just showing up sometimes for themselves mm-hmm. um, and allowing themselves to be held or inspired and, and, and having a small um, amount of commitment to doing certain you know simple practices that will help them become more in connection to all parts of themselves the heart mind body spirit is what i often work with and and i also like the archetype um work um so yeah super powerful Mm. um and i really you know just want to honor you for for not running away from it and perhaps Perhaps he didn't have a choice at some at sometimes, you know, but to see it and but to face it. But not everybody does that, actually. You know, there's so many people who will just keep running for the rest of their lives or their lives don't last very long. I tried. I don't know. <laughs> I've tried every which way not doing this work, but it's, yeah, on one level. It's like the monastery. It's like trying to take my own life. And then the monk's pointing out that if I did take my life, then I would go into the hell realm for the next 300 lifetimes. I'm like, really? Oh, that means I can't kill myself. Bollocks. (laughs) (laughs) And Yeah. And then, um, so yes, yes, I have tried every way of not. And yet, yeah, it's, as Robert Bly says, he says, you know, our greatest gift to society is where our wound is, whether that's shaming mother, shaming father, alcoholic father, that's our gift. I, I remember working as a volunteer in London before, just before I left, and I was talking to a an alcoholic, uh, I was mentoring him, and he says, why are you doing this work? He was kind of, and I said, because my father was an alcoholic, and I want to give back. Mm. And he actually listened to me then. Mm. He paid attention. So I think if we can see that our wound is our gift, and there's this saying that I kind of talk about this in have this three stages of trauma healing. First one is we've got a wound, but it's got this bandage tightly wrapped on. And that for me is most of our leaders. They've got this wound, but they will not acknowledge it. No, I'm fine. It's all you. 
you're, you know, we project out, as Jung said, he says, the psychological rule states that and when an inner situation is not made conscious, it happens outside as fate. So this is what we're seeing is the government is projecting their shadow onto the world. That's the first stage. Then the second stage is then you take the bandage off and it stinks. It hurts. And that's the grieving process. And the third stage is, you know, there's a scar. But as the Sufis say, I believe it's the Sufis say, that's where the light enters, the scar. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, definitely um, feel very connected to, you know, the work, the grief work that I think there's a there's a rise in in people acknowledging grief as as a way of living actually, because the you know whether or not we were living whether or not we were, would be living with all of this societal trauma and collective psychosis and and all all that's going on around, um, you know, death is a part of life, mm-hmm. loss is a part of life, you know. Let, having to let go repeatedly throughout our lives is something that we're so rubbish at you know we can't process it at the best of times and and so just being aware that that um that the work is being done now people are becoming more aware of of the importance of processing um grief and 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 then on top of that, you know, the historical trauma and the the, the lived trauma of today and um and, and all the anxiety of the future um that we're we're processing, but but actually coming back into ourselves as as our animal beings, as our human beings, mm-hmm. um, connected to land and nature and cycles of life and the elements and other humans and and really being being with life in that way is is definitely bringing us um you know swathes of people across the country and the world sort of mm-hmm. into deeper connection and deeper understanding of what's needed in order to live fully in a good way with all that there is and um yeah for the benefit of all beings so mm-hmm. Hmm. So as we come to an end, I'm wondering if, um, you know, if people are interested in finding out more about what you do, about your work, working with you or about your film, how would Mm. people get into connection with you? Yeah, so best place is peers-cross.com. That's my website. I have my podcast on there. I'm just about to record the 64th episode actually with a woman um talking about patriarchy and abuse violence against women so that's going to be my 64th um people can reach out there i do men's circles mainly for ex-boarders also do videos on youtube every week and on that you know i talk about trauma attachment trauma things like that um and boarding school is my main message and the film you can also find on the website mm. um, but usually if you put into google peers cross you'll you'll find find something that i'm i'm doing and um, what's the name of the podcast it's called an evolving man mm. an evolving man podcast nice and um well yeah so i just want to say again just thank you thank you for all the work that you're doing now thank you for all that you did for yourself and then and are still doing and thank you for all that you're doing for others um particularly for the men of of our our world and but actually that isn't just for the men is it it's really for all of us and um yeah thanks for joining me today and uh i'm really yeah, it's been really nice to hear more in depth about your story and about all the things that you're involved with. Mm, well, thank you, and thank you for your work. And 
Thank you. Uh, we didn't talk much about working together, um, doing the forest school stuff, but uh, you know, I've always loved the forest school and you know, I've uh, loved working. I think we did a few summer schools together. And so I really bless you for the great work you're doing with men, women, and with children. I think it's so important, uh, such great work. So yeah, bless you for you and your journey. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope it inspires you to follow your path of deep connection. I love sharing this information and I'll always share any relevant links in my show notes. If you like the show, please consider supporting it at patreon.com forward slash connection matters podcast. This is where you'll find bonus episodes, giveaways and behind the scenes content from me, as well as having my huge heartfelt thanks for any support you can give me. It really helps with the viability of the show. You can get most of what will be on offer for as little as £3 a month. Please also don't forget to subscribe on whatever app you use by clicking that little subscribe button below. That way you'll get all the upcoming episodes straight into your device. And review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. It's so helpful. The music that opens and closes the show is actually my very own dad and you can hear more of his music at soundcloud.com forward slash Vision Ray.